as we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people say the church was born on, on the day of Pentecost, but you know, when Jesus, when Jesus called his first disciples, when Jesus, you know, was walking on the earth and when he called the first ones that he called, that's when the church really began the calling of the people to himself. Now, they didn't understand it. They didn't know it at the time. They didn't know what was going to transpire. They didn't know what was going to take place. But when Jesus said, come, follow me, he was he was gathering his church. You know, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who believes on the Lord, becomes what? A part of the church, a part of the body of Christ. That's what the church is. Church is not a building. Church is not a, a thing. The church is the body of Christ. And if we understand that, it's the body of Christ. We understand that we become part of something holy, part of something righteous, part of something that is greater than us. Amen? And so as God, as Jesus started to call His uh, disciples together and, and, and multitudes started following, there He already had, this was His church, all who were following Him. And remember they asked Jesus, Jesus, where's your mother and father? And Jesus looked out at the people that were following Him he said, these are, this is my mother and father and brother and sisters. These are the ones. This is my body. This is my family. And so the church was, was being formed. And, you know, even when he said to Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. He was talking. He had a plan. Jesus knew why he had come. And so he was gathering his people together. And you know that when he was crucified and when he rose again, you know, he, he, he then told his disciples, wait, wait. Wait, wait, hold your horses, wait until you receive the power from on high. Hallelujah. You know, the day of Pentecost, you know, like was the I, I see it as the day of empowerment of the church. It was the day when the church received power from on high to be who God wanted them us to be. Amen. That was the outpouring. That was the empowerment. That was when really the life of God went into each one. And then they had the power then to be witnesses unto the glory of God of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when a baby's being, when a baby's conceived in the womb, it's in the womb and it, and, and it can't run out and talk and sing yet, right? It has to wait until the time when it's, when it comes forth. Then it can start crying. It can open its mouth and whatever. You know, in the military, we're trained for battle. We're trained. You go through a period of training. You're not put on the battlefield right away. You know, you don't join the, the you know, uh, one of the services, sign your name on the dotted line, and then they put a gun in your hand and say, okay, there you go. Go for fight the enemy. No. You have to go into a period of training first. Once your training is completed, then you're put into the battlefield. Then you're told. Then you can't sit back anymore. If you're given orders to go fight, you've been trained to fight. Now you must go fight. That's what you signed up for, right? And so it is with the church. The church was formed by Jesus. They were they were being taught and everything else. But Jesus told them, wait. They saw every miracle Jesus did. They Jesus had them participate in some of the things to try and you know get their feet wet in some stuff. But then Jesus told them, wait, wait, hold on, not just yet. You're still in a period of training. You're still in a period of, of formation. But when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon them, that's when they were told, 
then to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Now you've got your marching orders. Now you've got your assignment. Now you've been brought into a whole new life. Now you can start opening your mouth and talking about the glory of God because we have now the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so there was a reason, there was a purpose. There's a purpose to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's to equip us to live for God and to be witnesses for God. We cannot detach the two. And also the Holy Spirit comes in to change us and transform us so that we can be the the people that God has called us to be. And the Holy Spirit takes your giftings and your talents and your personality and he brings them out for the glory of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Pentecost is the empowerment. So in chapter 2 of Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now they were there because Jesus told them, wait. And so what were they doing? They were praying. Now their praying didn't make the Holy Spirit come. They're praying. They needed to pray. Lord, fulfill your word. How many of you know you need to pray the word of God? Amen. Confess God's word. God, you said it. You will do it. All right. Now, sometimes God wants us to believe him for things and we can speak things. Lord, you know, we can't command God, but we can speak things forth and ask God to bring it, make it manifest and make it happen. Right. It's up to God. But there are other things that we agree with God in his word. And these men were in the upper room agreeing with God. They were not, they were not saying, Oh Lord, we want you to pour your spirit out on us. So you got to hear us and do it. God had already said, wait until you receive power. See, God already, before they start praying, God told them, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And that was unconditional. Whether they liked it or not, they were going to get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That was a condi- that was an unconditional prophecy of God. That was an un- unconditional foretelling of God that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all those that are calling upon me. Now, it's our part to be in prayer and desirous of that. Now, I'm sure that they were praying, Lord, we want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you think they were saying, Lord, you promised you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We're waiting. We're waiting. Pour out your spirit. And that's what we need to be praying every day of our lives. Lord, I pray for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit into my life. You know, we don't have to beg God for it because God already said, I will pour out. We just got to say, I receive it, Lord. I want to receive I opened myself. And so the choice is ours. But these apostles, these were, and, and others were there in the upper room, what they call the upper room, wherever they were. And they were praying, believing God for the fulfillment of his word. How many of you know Christ is coming again? Amen. And we, and the Bible says, be looking up, be ready, be occupied. So do we believe that? We're, we're kind of in the spiritual upper room every day of our lives, waiting for the return of the Lord. The Lord promised He's coming again. Amen? Just like these men and women were in that upper room praying, Lord, your word says you're going to fill us with the Holy Spirit, and we want it. We want it. We pray it. We desire it. And so just as God promised us beyond, after He poured out a Spirit, God promised us He's coming again. How many of us are praying Lord, I, you're coming again. Make me be ready. Help me to live for you today. I want, I want your power in my life so that I could be ready. Like with those virgins that had their, their oil lamps full. I want to be ready for that, 
for that second coming of the Lord. We don't know when when that's going to happen, do we? No man can tell us the day or the hour, but we know for sure. God said he's coming and he's coming. We don't know when, just like they didn't know when, but he will be coming. And so they were praying, not knowing when it was going to happen. But it says on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a day of celebration. It was a feasting time. It was a joyous time. You know, there was uh, music and celebrating and, 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 and all this here. It was, you know, uh, 50 days after Christ, uh, you know, uh, uh, so they were cel- what I'm trying to say is they were celebrating. It, huh? Yes, it was a day of celebration. And so here they are celebrating and these guys are in the upper room praying. So, you know, you can either party or pray. Now, I'm sure they, you know, they, I'm sure they had some times where they were there, but their focus, their focus was that that praying is more important than partying. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Do you believe praying is more important than partying? Now, God is a God of celebration. Don't get me wrong. God instituted Pentecost. He instituted Passover. He instituted Feast of Tabernacles. God is a festive God. He's a God of celebration. But God wants us to celebrate. Of course he does. But also, God wants us to be people of prayer. Prayer and praise. Amen. And so they were there, and it says, and, and suddenly, suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And hallelujah, hallelujah. God is able to do things that we can't understand. Amen? God doesn't have to do things according to uh, the, the, the reasonable, explana- explainable ways of the world. God can move into this realm However, he likes. And God, when God moves into our realm, it's a supernatural move. How many of you know that? To move from the, from the, from the throne of God or from the heavens into this earthly realm that we are, it's a supernatural move. And so God, everything that God does is supernatural. And so this was a supernatural happening. They couldn't explain it. There was no natural means of saying, okay, I know how that happened. There was the sound of a rushing, rushing mighty wind. And, but it wasn't a wind. It didn't blow their hair all messed up. You know, it, it wasn't that. It was just the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And look what it says. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. God put upon each one the infilling. God poured out onto each one the infilling. God didn't miss anybody. God didn't leave anyone out. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, God says he will in no wise cast out. Everyone who believes on the name of the Lord will be filled with the Holy Spirit as they desire it. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit came on everybody that was in that room. There wasn't somebody says, hey, what happened? And what happened to me? I didn't get it. You know, they all got it. Right. It says it. And as the Holy Spirit uh, as God so desired, he distributed upon each of them. And they were, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Hallelujah. Thank God he is not a respecter of persons. Amen. God cares about every one of us. And those who call upon the name of Jesus and believe on him, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit to empower you to do what God would want you to have you to do, to live how God would have you to live. And in this case, is verse 5, and now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, 
devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world can't understand the way God works in people's lives. They're bewildered. Hallelujah. When I became born again, my brother was bewildered. What in the world happened to you? He couldn't understand what happened, but I knew. I understood. I called upon the name of the Lord and gave Jesus my heart and asked him into my life and he changed me, transformed me. My brother saw it. He was a, he was an eyewitness to the transformation of my life and he was bewildered. He couldn't understand it. What in the world happened to you? He said, did they hypnotize you, brother? I said, no, nobody hypnotized me. And so they were bewildered at, at the transformation of what was happening in the lives of these people. They, meaning they couldn't understand it in the natural sense. They were bewildered, uh, they were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and they were marveled saying, why are not all these who speak, speaking Galileans and how is it that we each hear from in, from them, hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and and Elamites and, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And they all, and they all continued in amazement with great perplexity. It's not so much that the world understand what God is doing in your life, but it matters that you understand what God is doing in your life. God, God, they, they were people who were praying and wanting God to fill them. They knew that what was taking place in them was a godly thing. That was of God. And God has a purpose and a plan for each life. Amen. They understood that they were being filled with the power of God for the purposes of God and for the plans of God. The world around them was watching them and couldn't. They were perplexed, bewildered, amazed. Look at all the adjectives. Consider all those adjectives that they said. When the world looks at you living differently, living a different lifestyle, doing things differently, they're perplexed. They're amazed that you don't do the same things that they're doing. Why don't you party with us? Why don't you do this the way we're doing it? Why don't you rob and steal like we do? Why don't you do this and this? And they're perplexed that you don't participate or do the things that they're doing. Why? Because God is in you. There's a change that has taken place in you. A change that calls you to live differently, to be a light in this world of darkness. Amen? And so the world around you is going to think you're, you're, you're peculiar. You're peculiar. That you're, that they're going to be perplexed and amazed at the changes in your life. They're not going to, they're going to see that you're not perfect, but they're going to see that there's something different about you that, 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 that either they don't want to be part of, or maybe that may be attractive to them and say, hey, wait a minute, you know. And so it could be a, it could be a magnet or it could be the, the reverse magnet that drives them away. One or the other. But the choice is up to them. But they will see. How many of you know, how many of you can testify that the world or your family and friends see a difference in you since you came to Jesus? I hope they do. Because if they didn't, then we need to get on our knees and say, Lord, I need, I need, uh, I need you in my life and I need the infilling of your Holy Spirit. If our life is not shining, if, if people don't see us as different in a good sense, don't get me wrong. If people don't see us as different, then how are we living our lives? We got to look in the mirror and say, how am I, Lord, am I really, I want to live for you. Jesus, I want change and transformation in my life so that when people look at me, people who are watching my life can see that I'm different. 
Why am I different? Because I've chosen to live for the Lord. I've chosen to walk with him. I've chosen to, to, to do things his way. Amen? And so then you become different. Hallelujah. And others were mocking. Ah, some people will mock you. Amen? When you're, when you're living for Jesus. And it says, and others were mocking, saying they're full of sweet wine. <laughs> drunk. And we should be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Drunk with the love of God. We should be drunk in, in, in a sense that, that, you know, just get happy for Jesus. Sometimes drunks, you know, they they think, oh, I'm not saying to get drunk. I've been drunk plenty in my life and there's nothing good about it. Praise the Lord. But now I want to drink of the well of salvation, of the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. But Peter, now here's where Peter steps up. Because they're saying, hey, these people are drunk. It's early in the morning. These people are drunk. But Peter, taking a stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. He's now, he wants to teach them. He's going to teach them. Let this be known to you. He's standing up for Jesus and give heed to my words. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying. That's a key. People either listen or they don't. And once they do listen, then they got a choice to make, either to receive it or to reject it. Amen? You can't receive something or reject something until you first hear it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Peter stood up giving these people an opportunity to know the God of glory who just filled them with the Holy Spirit. He was now empowered. You see, when you got the Holy Spirit in you, you need to fear not. Because the Spirit of God in you will give you what you need to say when you need to say it. Amen. And that's what we got to understand and believe. We are not left to ourselves any longer. Peter, when he stood up, he stood up not as the Peter before the Holy Spirit. He now stood up as Peter, the one who was now filled with the Spirit of God. He's different now. Remember Peter, the one who said, you know, uh, stepped out in the boat and, and began to, to put his eyes on the water and began to sink and cry. Peter, you know, you, you know the story of Peter, right? But now Peter is a different man because why is he different? He's got the same personality. He's the same Peter uh, personality-wise that he was before. But now there's something different in Peter. Now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now when he opens his mouth, Jesus said, Wait until you receive power from on high. Now Peter is opening his mouth. You see, when you talk about Jesus, when you open your mouth today to talk about Jesus, there's an anointing in you that comes out with that, and that anointing is the Holy Spirit in you. So when you when you witness to someone about Jesus, you're not doing it, listen to me, you're not doing it on your own power, in your own power. If you have and how many of you know you have the Holy Spirit in you? He comes when you get, when you, when you ask Him. When you open your mouth to talk about the Lord of glory, the Holy Spirit that is in you will take that word and that anointed word, living waters, Jesus said, will flow from your belly. That word will be anointed and it will not return to God void. Hallelujah. That's why never be ashamed to talk about Jesus to someone. Because that's what God has given us the Holy Spirit for. To be a witness unto Him and to the way He's working in our life. And so Peter stood up filled with the Holy Spirit. 
First thing he says, he says, these, he, he, he gives them a little review. He said, these guys aren't drunk. These men aren't drunk as you suppose. He said, for it's only the third hour of the day. It's in the morning. They're not drunk. He said, but let me tell you. He said, now let me tell you what's happening here. They're not drunk on the natural wine of this world. And he goes on to say, but this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Now they understood Joel. There's some believers in the church today that don't even know who Joel, who's Joel, what's Joel? We need to know the word of God. And so he was telling them something that they were familiar with. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, you know, if you read Joel, the beginning of it starts off not good. Plagues, locusts, and and a drought, and all this other stuff. And why? Because people turned their back on God. And so plagues and drought came. But in Joel, it says in, in chapter 2, so I think around 12, it says, Now return to the Lord. Call upon me. Come back to me. And I will turn this drought into blessing. I will turn this plague around and bless you. How many of you know the Bible says in Deuteronomy, there's blessing and cursing. Those who walk with the Lord will be blessed. Those who turn their back on God or reject God, there will be plagues and curses upon them. You, we can't get away from that. Some churches and pastors don't want to preach plagues and curses. They just want to preach just blessing. Well, we need to preach blessing, but we need to preach that if you're walking with Jesus, you'll be blessed. If you reject Jesus or if you walk in contrariness to the word of God, hey, you're walking in the land of plagues and curses and, and things that will harm you. And so Joel starts out with all those things. And who would who wants that stuff? You know, the locusts, one after another, coming and eating up all the all the, the land. But in the middle, there, there's that word of blessing. Return to me. And that this is where Peter starts picking up. Because Peter starts letting these people know. Joel talks about that, that people who were not walking with the Lord, who turned their back on God, there was plagues in their life. There was, there was, there was, uh, there was drought. There was, uh, they were hungry and thirsting for lack and want. But in the middle, he preaches. He's not preaching to them about the plagues and stuff because he he knows they already know that. They understand that. They know what Joel was talking about. But he goes into the middle of the book, Joel chapter two, and where where God says, "Return to me, and I will restore, and I will bless." And that's where he begins. He quotes out here in verse seventeen, and it shall be. It shall be. Again, this is a, a this is a prophecy of God that is unconditional. God said it shall be. And when God says it shall be, it says in Numbers that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath God spoken and shall he not bring it to pass? Amen. Has God has God said it and will he not do it? And so God declared way back in Joel, there's a day coming when I shall I will, unconditionally, I shall pour out my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and woman. Hallelujah. In those days, women were not looked at as worthy of much, but God is prophesying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on men and women. 
Hallelujah. That's why there's people that are walking around the saying women shouldn't have nothing to do in the church. Well, God didn't say that. God said, I'll pour out my spirit on men and women, on everyone who believes. God used women in the Old Testament, and God certainly is not going to give them up in the New Testament. But in the New, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all men and women. And he says, and they shall uh, they shall prophesy. And I will grant once uh, grant wonders in the skies and signs and all this blood and the sun shall be turned. And he goes, and it shall be that everyone, verse 21, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What is he saying by that? That's talking about Jesus already. That when Jesus comes, the Savior, the Messiah, that everyone, now everyone, on that day, he said, I shall pour out. On that day, when God, when Christ was lifted up, when he was raised from the dead, when he resurrected and, and ascended into heaven, now anyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. What does saved mean? Saved means that you're now uh, in the household of God, you're a child of God, but more than that, you're now empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit, to do what what all these things said. That your daughter shall prophesy, your young men shall dream dreams, your visions, dreams, and all great things. You see, God gives us His Holy Spirit, and once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible for God. God can work wonderfully in our lives when we have the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit in us. And God does it, fills us with the Holy Spirit, that He may receive the honor and the glory and the praise. God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit to exalt ourselves. God gives us the Holy Spirit to exalt Him and to encourage one another and build each other up in our most holy faith. But Joel also goes on after this message of hope, this prophecy of something wonderful and great. If you return to me, you'll be my people and I'll restore. But there's something either greater coming down the road. Hallelujah. What does God say to us? Keep looking up because Jesus is coming. Live for me because there's something greater down the road. There's a place called heaven. Hallelujah. How many of you know there's a place called heaven down the road? So God was telling these people through the prophet Joel, Yeah, you see all these plagues and drought, you return to me, I'll restore and I'll bless and I'll give you a hope not only for today, but for tomorrow. Tomorrow there's a day coming when I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now that he's poured it out already, God tells us, Look, keep looking up for your redemption draweth nigh. There's a day coming when I shall come again in the clouds of glory to take you up that where I am, you may be with me also. Hallelujah. You think getting filled with the Holy Spirit was good? Where do you get caught up to be with Jesus forever? Hallelujah. I think that's greater. I mean, I, we need the Holy Spirit to make that happen, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, don't get me wrong, is wonderful, is great, it's exciting, I love it, I want it, I desire it, I need it. But I can't wait. I'm looking forward to the day when that trumpet will sound and the skies will open and there will be the Son of God coming in the clouds of glory saying, come with me, come with me, be with me forever. Hallelujah. And that's unconditional. He's coming. The condition is, do you want to be with him? Are you ready to be with him? So we got to make ourselves ready. We've got to keep ourselves fired up. We've got to keep ourselves on track with Jesus. We've got to keep ourselves in the Word. We've got to keep ourselves blessing one another. Forget silly games. Forget plain things. We've got to be real with Jesus. We've got to be real with one another. Build up your faith. Hold on. 
Do the things that are good and righteous and, and continue on. Fight the good fight of faith. And he goes on, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, then in verse 22, Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. They weren't blind to these things. They weren't deaf to those. They knew Jesus was doing signs and wonders and miracles. And now Peter is telling them, this outpouring, this is what was spoken of. This is what was promised by God. And now Jesus, now look, he points to Jesus. He's not pointing to them. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. He's not saying, look at us. We're filled with the Spirit of God. He's saying, now look to Jesus. He said, now look this Jesus of Nazareth. He was pointing to the Lord. He could have easily said, look at us. We're filled with the Spirit of God. And you come to us and we'll... uh, He was pointing them to Jesus. Hallelujah. What do we need to do? We need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that we are able to point people to Jesus. And it says... and. He said, you knew, you see what he's doing. And he also said in verse 4, and God, he said this, well, verse 23, and this man delivered by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put them to death. He wasn't being politically correct. He put, he put it right to them. He put the truth right to them. Jesus was put to death by godless men. You nailed him to the cross. But all of our sins nailed him to the cross. But he said, but the godless men put him to death. But God, hallelujah. But God raised him up. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. God raised Jesus from the dead. We need to be excited. He's a risen Savior and Lord. God raised him again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible. No way. There was no way death could hold Jesus. No way. It was impossible for him to be held in its power. Death has power, but it has no power over God and death has no power over you. Death is a doorway where we're going to pass from from life uh, through death into eternal life like that. Death can't hold you in darkness. Death has to let you pass by like a toll booth on a bridge. You don't have to pay. Right through into glory. Hallelujah. David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence. For, for uh, he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Do we have that faith? That if God is at my right hand of God, if he's with me, I will not be shaken. Nothing in this world can shake my faith. Talking about his faith. Nothing can shake my faith. I don't care what happens. I don't care what goes on in the world around you. People, how many have you had people run out on you, leave you? Friends who you thought were friends, walk out on you. Things happen. God says, I will not be shaken. He, you know, David said, I will not be shaken. You know, David was running for his life at one time, wasn't he? he? You know, he had he had people pursuing him to kill him. He had to hide in caves. He had to pretend he was mad. He had to do a lot of different things. But his face was never shaken, no matter all of that stuff he was going through. And all of the stuff you're going through, nothing can shake your faith if you hold fast to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. David, was his heart was, is your heart glad about Jesus? No matter what it looks like in the natural, is your heart happy 
with Jesus, that Jesus is in you. Your heart, that's why it says, I rejoice when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Serve God with joy and with glad. He said, my heart was glad. Now, was everything, how many things weren't going well with David for many different times, but through it all, yet his heart was glad. His face may have been sad, but his heart was glad. Huh? And he says, and my tongue exalted. Can we ever stop praising the Lord? David was a psalmist, wasn't he? And so no matter what we go through, we've got to sometimes even make it a sacrifice of praise. And David many times made a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. Daniel and the lions then made a sacrifice of praise. It looked like those lions could have had him for lunch at any time. Sacrifice of praise unto his God. And so like David, no matter what, we need to give sacrifices of praises. Moreover, my flesh will abide in hope, because thou will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow, and he's talking there, it goes about Jesus. And it goes on talking about Christ. Hallelujah. And verse 32, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this, which you both see and hear. For it was David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord saith to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies your the, uh, the footstool. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain. Look at this verse. Let all the house of Israel know for certain. No ifs, ands, or buts. Let them all know this for sure. In verse 30, verse 36, that God, God, Father God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucify. He's the, he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah, but he is the Lord. He is God. And this is what God people angry, the religious leaders, because he made himself equal with God. And the word Lord means he's God. He's God Almighty, and He's the Christ. He's the anointed one sent to redeem, to be the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. He's Lord and Christ. He's God Almighty. He's Master, Ruler. He's everything, but He's also the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so Peter is saying, this whom God raised up is both Lord and Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They got it. They got the message. You're saying Jesus is God and he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the Anointed One. And they're saying, yes, he is. He's the one who received the promise and gave the promise to pour out the Spirit. How do you think, Peter's saying, how do you think we got filled with the Holy Spirit? Because of Christ, that God raised him from the dead, seated in him at the right hand, and the promise was that he then would pour out the Spirit of God upon us. And this is why we're filled with the Spirit of God Because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They're making it clear. We're not filled with the power of God just because God liked us, just because we're Jews. No. But because of Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead. Him whom you crucified, God raised him from the dead, made him Lord in Christ. And it is through Jesus Christ that we have been filled with the power of the Spirit of God. And this which you see in here has been done because of Jesus Christ. You see what Peter was doing? Exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. 
saying that he's the Messiah, the Redeemer, risen from the dead. And it is through him, through his name, that we have been, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has been poured out upon all mankind. This was hard for them to receive, that God is going to pour out a Spirit upon everybody, even the Gentiles, through Jesus. And they're saying, yes, this is what it's all about. It's all Jesus, precious Jesus, the risen Savior. What promises and what blessings come through him, through his name? Why do we lift up and exalt Jesus? He's the Lord of glory. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's made everything possible. Without Jesus, there would be impossible things for us. But through Jesus, all things are possible. Through Jesus, we are filled with the Spirit of God, for the uh, with the power of God, and for the anointing of God. Hallelujah. In verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Why? Because it was the anointed Word of God which pierces the heart and the soul. It cuts asunder all the things. Read it in Hebrews. And so the Word of God pierced them to the heart. Not because Peter was eloquent or Peter was a orator or Peter was a, had a degree in psychology or whatever. How many of you know that's not why they got pierced to the heart? They got pierced to the heart because Peter was speaking, because he was filled with the Spirit of God. And God doesn't take His Word lightly. And God, when God's Word goes forth, it goes forth with purpose to pierce the heart, to pierce the darkness, to pierce through all the hardness and all the deception and all the light, to bring light. How many of you know God's Word brings light? And so God was trying to get through to these people because He loved them. God's Word said He desires none to perish, but all to come to the saving knowledge. And so the Word of God through Peter, He wasn't exalting Himself again. Let me make that clear. He was exalting Jesus. He was filled with the Spirit of God because of Jesus, and it is for Jesus that He's preaching to them. And He's preaching to them about Jesus. And it says, And they were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, You see, when your heart is touched and pierced, there's a choice, there's a response needs to be made. When you hear the Word of God preached in Sunday school or in service, or you're reading it on your own, meditating on it, God's Word speaks to your heart. As you're whatever meditating, God's Word speaks to you. And we must respond. How many of you know we must respond to God's Word? As God reveals it to you, as you read the Word of God, God is always speaking to you. If we got ears to hear, if we got spirit, I'm not talking about a loud, booming voice. If we've got ears to hear, God can't do that if He chooses to. But if we got ears to hear, God will speak to you as an individual whenever you open the Word of God and desire to have it pierce your heart. God, and then there's a response on your, on our part. We've got to respond. We've got to say, yes, Lord, or we could just close our eyes to it, close our ears to it, and make like it never, we never heard it. And I pray that whenever God speaks, we say, yes, Lord. If I need change, change me. If I need this, whatever, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And so here, some of them chose, many of them, whenever God's word was preached, even when Jesus Many of the people, not all, but many of the people came to him, received with gladness the word. And here it says, and they said to Peter, what shall we do? We want to respond. Tell us what to do. 
And when you share Jesus with someone, we need to give them an opportunity to set to respond. And then just, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, what did he say? Repent. This world doesn't want to hear repentance. Churches don't want to hear repentance. But Jesus, when he came onto the scene, the first words he said in Mark 1.15 was repent, for the time is at hand. Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Repent. Repentance is a doorway to blessing. Peter, what shall we do? The first words out of his mouth was repent. Choose to turn to God. Choose to turn and accept God's way. Choose to turn away from the way you've been doing things and accept God's way of doing things. Say, Lord, show me, teach me, guide me, lead me. Yes, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry for all the things that I may have done or have done. I choose you and to walk in your ways. That's what repentance is. Choosing God, asking God for forgiveness, for mercy, for grace, for all your sins, all your transgressions. But say, Lord, now I choose you. You don't need to drag your head through the mud. That's not what God wants you to do. Oh, I've been a filthy worm. God knows what you've been. God just wants us to say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins and transgressions. I This day, this day, I choose you. And he says, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Once your sins are forgiven, once you accept Jesus and your sins are forgiven, look what he said. And you shall. No ifs, ands, or buts. No perhaps or maybes. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Perhaps, you know, come to God, come to the Lord, repent, and He'll forgive you of your sins. And perhaps, maybe, if God feels like it, if it's a good day, uh, uh, God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Well, then we'd have a lot of, uh, we'd have problems. Hoping that God was having a good day or hoping that we did everything just right. But the Bible says if we repent, and Peter says, if you repent, God will forgive you and be baptized. Baptized, being baptized is a choice. What does baptism stand for? It stands for something that's gone happened inside of you, that you made a decision no longer to live according to your ways, but to live according to the ways of the Lord. That you die with Christ and you raise to Christ. That from this day on, I have decided to follow Jesus. How many of you have decided to follow Jesus? And we've got to be water baptized as a sign, a public sign to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if that shows a sincerity in your heart, because if you say it with your lips, but don't mean it in here, it doesn't count for anything. How many of you know that? How many of you know Jesus said, you can give me lip service, but I never knew you. But when something happens inwardly, when we are, when we repent and something happens inwardly, there's an inward change. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to be baptized publicly to declare I'm not ashamed of you. Publicly to declare I have chosen to live for you. And then it says, and then your sins will be forgiven. And then you shall, you shall. That's a promise. That's an absolute promise to every believer. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. This is wonderful. Verse 39. For the promise. What promise? The promise that if you repent and are baptized, then you will be forgiven and you shall receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise for the promise. The promise that was in Joel. The promise that was made in Joel. The promise that Jesus said, wait until you receive power from on high from the Father. The promise that was from Joel. The promise that Jesus confirmed. And the the promise that both God and Jesus fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. 
is here declared for the promise. That promise is for you. Is for you. Can you get excited when it says this promise is for you and your children? Going down generations is not just for you, but it's for your children. And why? Because we need to pass on our faith to our children. We need to pass on our faith to the people around our lives. Our faith is not just for, well, it is, but understand, our faith is not for us just to keep to ourselves. Our faith is to pass on to others and to say, have faith, believe God for you and your children and for all who are afar off. There was, in other words, there's there's no expiration date. You get coupons that expire. And that's why some people say, ah, oh, it's not for today. That's not what it says in the Word of God. It says, for as many as are far off. The promise is for you and your children as, as many as are far off. No expiration date. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No expiration date. Hallelujah. Hey, the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit of God didn't stop on June whatever, 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 whatever. It was a, it's a continual, it's an open promise, it's an open thing for everyone who will receive it. That's why today, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. There's no expiration date on salvation, is there? Well, there, when this world ends, then it will, there will be no more opportunity. But as long as this world exists, there is no expiration date on the salvation of a soul, is there? Can someone go to Jesus and say, I want to call upon your name and be saved? And Jesus say, sorry, that offer expired. Wouldn't we be in a mess if that offer expired, huh? Does salvation, the offer of salvation, does the gift of salvation have an expiration date? No, it does not. And neither does the outpouring or infilling of the Holy Spirit have any expiration date. As long as an individual can be saved, that individual who was saved will be, shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. No expiration date. Sorry, you can be saved, but you can't be filled. Hello? I can't find that in the Word of God. If you're saved, you're filled with the Spirit of God. To live for God, to do the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. For all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with verse 40, and with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. We live. It's been generation after generation. Perversion is nothing new. How many of you know perversion is not something new? It just didn't happen in the, this, this generation. It's, perversion has been going on since the Garden of Eden all the way through. And in every generation, the Word of God is the same. The Word of God changes not. From generation to generation to generation, the Word of God has always come forth. Save yourself from this perverse generation. That means we need to be aware that we live in a world that is filled with godlessness and all kinds of perversions. And the only way we can save ourselves or keep ourselves is by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, by calling on his name, believing his word, and saying, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to save and keep myself from this perverse generation. If we don't depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us, 
we can fall, we can stumble, we can get caught up in the quicksand of perversion of this world. And before you know it, we found ourselves sinking in a, in a, in a world of perversion. And that's why the Holy Spirit is the power of God to help save us from the perverseness of the world around us. We cannot think ourselves arrogant enough to say, I can save myself from a perverse generation without the power of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is given to preserve us and to keep us to help give us the strength and the wisdom and the guidance that we need through the Word of God to keep us, be saved from this perverse generation. So then all who had received His Word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 to the church. And you read the rest of it. And they, give, they, they were continually, daily, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread. It wasn't about being lone rangers. They said, now we've got to be diligent daily, getting together. We've got to be taught. How many of you know we need to be taught? Every one of us, we need to be continually taught. We need teaching. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why do we have Sunday school? Why do we have children's church? Why is the pulpit a place for preaching? Because we need to get edified. We need the teachings of the Word of God that's taught in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we need that. We need fellowship. We need fellowship. What does fellowship do? It builds us up. It encourages us. We get to know one another. We get to pray for one another. We get to build each other up. Fellowship is good. And we can, yeah, we can have a good time and have a hot dog party, but we need fellowship because we want to build each other up in our most holy faith and say, keep looking up, just like they did in the upper room. We keep praying, keep looking up. He's coming again, just like they did then on the day of Pentecost. Hey, the promise is on its way. We don't know when, but the promise is coming. They were encouraging one another. And so we need, like at the day of Pentecost, we need to say we need to get filled Again, afresh with the Spirit. But hey, we need to keep praying and looking up because guess what? His promise said He's coming again. And they were encouraging one another to believe it. So we got to be getting together in fellowship Say, keep looking up. Keep living for the Lord. He's coming again. We don't know. But one day, guess what? There's not going to be a rushing mighty wind anymore. The next thing we're going to hear is the, the sound of the trumpet of God. Hallelujah. They heard the wild and mighty rushing wind, but we're going to hear the sound of the trumpet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So are we waiting? Are we in that upper room like they were then? Are we looking for the sound? Are we waiting to hear the sound of that trump when we will see the Lord of glory coming on the cloud saying, Ha, here he is, the Lord of glory, Jesus, the word of God. It shall be written on his vestures, faithful and true, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. That's what we're looking for. This is what our hope is. This is why we're fellowshipping and encouraging one another. Keep looking up. He's coming again. But in the meantime, make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Make sure you're living for Jesus, keeping yourselves from a perverse generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is a promise for all generations. No expiration date. 
Hallelujah. Be saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit and keep looking up because our redemption draweth nigh. That trumpet will sound. It will. It will. Someday we're going to hear that, that awesome sound of the trumpet and there he will be. Jesus, the Lord of glory. So keep encouraging one another. Hallelujah. That's what it says in Hebrews. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but keep encouraging one another. Keep looking up for that day draweth nigh. The time is coming when the Jesus will come again. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.